0: We invited everybody to share some thoughts, uh, some of their wisdom about marriage, and I want to encourage you to check that out. And if we were giving a prize for the best answer, the overwhelming selection is this one up in the corner, both for its wisdom and humor Uh, everybody enjoyed that so I don't know who who said that but if, if we were given a prize out I think you win but it's worth checking out and I put next to it a booklet that we did that talks it starts out talking about some of the same ideas that we talked about last week and then it goes into a lot of other ideas and I just want to remind everybody because sometimes the things out in the foyer just become wallpaper that we produce And publish resources that you can give away this goes with the lesson you know give give to somebody maybe there's a newlywed or somebody that you think would be would benefit from something like this and maybe that creates opportunities for more conversations like we have a book on what's the gospel all about or how can I be saved or what's the story with baptism or did Jesus rise from the dead and a lot of other things that we've put together out there for us to use the goal is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So that's why all of that is out there. You can think about that when we get to our challenge for this week. But uh, our theme this year is to sound forth the word. And as my first slides announced, we're going to talk about living water. We're going to talk about living water in this lesson. We'll talk about the spirit. And in the next lesson, we'll talk about Next Sunday morning, talk about the thirsty. And in the lesson after that, on the 26th, next, on the 19th, Bill is going to bring us a lesson, which I can't wait for. But then in the twi- on the 26th, we'll come back and talk about the bride. Rebecca Pippert said, going with this idea of sounding forth a word, our outreach focus for the year. Christians and non-Christians have something in common. We're both uptight about evangelism. And that's something that's a quote that's always stuck with me. She opens her book um, out of the salt shaker with that quote because I often find that to be the case. And why is that? And what can we do to get past that? And a big part of getting past it is just doing it, like a lot of things. Just practice. Just do it, like the Nike saying. But there's a couple other truths that I think are critical that I have found so helpful through the years. And I wanna go to this idea from these passages about living water. I think that right up alongside, you know, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, the Great Commission, and some of the other great passages about evangelism, we should put one of the last verses in the Bible, Revelation 22, verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. An invitation. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. There's three different distinct groups here, if you notice. And we brought this up in the how to share the gospel class. And I gave you a chart to fill out. And rather than spending a bunch of time on this, because it would take the next three classes or so, I decided, you guys fill out the chart, and I'm going to preach on it. And so we're going to talk about today the spirit, and then the bride, uh, or then the thirsty next week, and then the bride at the end of the month. And from this, in my second ever sermon here, actually, I put together a chart. I dug it up and put it in the evangelism worksheets too. This chart, I feel like it's kind of a crude little chart here, but here's the Spirit and the Bride holding out the water of life. The Spirit says come, and the Bride says come, and anyone who wants it can come and take the water of life. It springs up to eternal life. And one of the reasons I think this is so important is because sometimes we want to hold the water all by ourselves. You know, if I try to do that all by myself, the water comes out. How, what am I talking about? How do we try to do this? Well, sometimes I feel like I need to have my strategy so on point that I'm the one who gets everything right. That my words are perfect. I have all the answers. And this is a lot of times where all of my uptightness comes from. And so I see this in, in the way we view success. And I, again, I brought this up many times here before. Some of you may have heard it. Some of you may have not. But I've, I've tried to instill something that has been instilled in me, that changed my view of evangelism. I used to hear people say, um, you know, I, I asked for a Bible, somebody for a Bible study, or I invited somebody to services today, or, you know, I brought up Jesus, and I told somebody about Jesus today. And, and the question that follows is what? Well, did they come? Well, did they become a Christian? No. No, they they didn't they didn't come. And now how do I feel? Totally discouraged. Like a failure. Like I failed at my job. Except that's not my job. My job is to say come. And that's what I did. And I've got to leave God's part to God. And leave the part of the thirsty to the thirsty. But I got to keep saying come. And so what do we want to say whenever somebody says to you. Hey, I invited somebody to the ladies Bible class this week. Hey, did they come? No, you say way to go. You did it. Great job, man. Keep it up. Keep going. You are doing the work. Way to go. You see the difference? See, we're measuring our part of the job and not measuring everybody else's part of the equation. There's the bride and there's the spirit and the thirsty. So, on, let's see, Friday night... Friday night. we We were working here at the building, me and the family, and we left. We went home and we found that our power was out. And our power, because of the big wet snowstorm, ended up being out for almost 24 hours, about 23 hours or so. And that was a little bit more shocking to my system than I think it should have been. <laughs> you know, not just, you know, worries about the refrigerator and freezer and, you know, can we keep warm and things like that, but things that don't really matter, like I can't charge my iPhone. <laughs> Maybe I was going to watch a show with my wife that night after the kids were in bed, you know? Just things that don't seem to be that important. But it, it became kind of important in my mind, it made me realize how much I depend on these things for basics. But we have this, this little flashlight, Asher loves this thing, that you crank. Right? You just crank it. And just through kinetic energy, you generate enough that you can run this thing with just people power. right? And we could generate, if we turned it enough, enough light to move around the house at night and that kind of thing. But no matter how fast I crank this thing, I couldn't get enough to heat the whole house and turn on my TV and charge my iPhone and power the refrigerator, turn on the dishwasher and the washing machine and all the other things I want to do. I mean, we could crank that thing, but we don't have the power. We need an external power source. We need something that we can plug into that's bigger than us. We still have a part to do. I mean, if, if the, I've got power turned on again, I still flip the light switch and it comes on. It doesn't come on just by me thinking about it. I don't have telekinetic powers, but when I flip the light switch, there's a power beyond my energy that turns everything on. And isn't that a good analogy for what we, not just in evangelism, but in so many areas of our life, start to think about our relationship with God and our own power and our own sufficiency and how I have to crank this thing. And if something doesn't work, I must not be working hard enough. And I just have to focus on that and that alone. Not ever remembering that I have access to something far greater than myself. So in John chapter 7, we find another of these living water passages. Over the next few weeks, throughout this month, we're going to go to a lot of living water passages. I love this one. So here Jesus is on the last day of the feast, the great day. And before we go on, what feast is he talking about? Well, back in verse 2, it says now the Jews' feast of booths or feast of tabernacles, this, this feast where they would create the little little booths for themselves and they had all these traditions with uh, bringing citrus and having different plants associated with it and more to the point there was this practice and you can read a connection from this back in nehemiah 8 but there was this practice they had of loading up from the pool of siloam these containers of water and bringing it To the temple here's what Leland Riken in the dictionary of biblical imagery says so this was an annual celebration that included the transportation of water over a period of seven days from the pool of Siloam to the temple in commemoration of the miraculous waters of Meribah provided in Israel's wilderness experience back in numbers 20. Remember the water came from the rock in the middle of the wilderness. Water came from as if from nowhere to water the parched ground and their parched throats in the middle of the desert. This fresh living water is miraculously provided, notably at the Rock of Horeb. Now, the word living, wa- the phrase living water has this meaning of fresh water as a, as a first level of meaning, as opposed to salty or dirty water or something like that. But then, John and And Jesus and and these biblical writers in the Old Testament take this idea and make it mean something more. Waters of life. Waters that bring life. So this fresh living water is miraculously provided, notably at the Rock of Horeb, where Moses strikes the rock and taps into a spring. God supplies living water, even though the murmuring Israelites have complained bitterly about the rigors of their exodus. The refreshment of one's spirit the surge of new strength, the impulse of joy are all evidences of God's effectual presence. See, I skipped a part, but he transitions there from talking about the Feast of Booths to Jesus' statement here on the Feast of Booths. And what this means, and we'll see this unpacked, how we, our inner life, is completely changed by living water. And Jesus explains what that means here. D.A. Carson said uh, in his commentary on John, the image of streams of water from the believer's heart or belly places the accent on the rich abundance of the Spirit's life and power in the heart of the believer like a self-replenishing stream. Where does the Holy Spirit come from in all of this? Just watch. Whoever believes in me, Jesus said... As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He stood up and you just see him maybe standing on something tall and he gets everybody's attention. Crowded city of Jerusalem. And Jesus shouts out, come to me, anybody who's thirsty. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You, because you're not the source of it, but God becomes in you a source of flowing life and life-giving water. Look at this next verse. It's a parenthetical. Now John is going to explain You know, it's nice when we don't have to look to a man-made commentary to understand a verse. So John, inspired apostle, tells us what Jesus was talking about. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet, the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Let's work backwards really quickly here. He wasn't yet glorified. And John, being glorified, ironically, is an image of the cross. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to me. His lifting up is on a cross in an emblem of shame and humiliation. He is glorified because he is doing the servant's work of God and saving us all. So Jesus hadn't yet died on the cross. And then, of course, risen from the dead. And the spirit, of course, the spirit was The Spirit's God. The Spirit was around. The Spirit was at work. The Spirit was in Jesus. But on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit is going to come in a totally different way. And the fullness of what the Spirit's coming means in the hearts and lives of Christians and in the gospel and all its power had not yet come. And so he says, those who believe were to receive the Holy Spirit and this would be in them, streams of living water flowing from their hearts. There is throughout the book of John, as other parts of, of scripture, but especially in John, this emphasis on believing. Belief. And, and faith, the idea of faith is much bigger than just belief. But to believe in Jesus and his promises and who he is and as the king what it means to own him and confess him is to change everything about who you are. Because belief, if it's real belief, leads to something, a change in every part of us. It leads to a, a working loyalty. It leads to a kind of trust and confidence, a kind of even holy expectancy about what God is doing in the world and what Jesus is going to bring about in you and in all those who receive his word.
1: And so at the heart of this message is the
0: essential command, the essential requirement that we believe. Do you believe that Jesus is the source of life? Do you believe that his spirit is at work Do you believe that those who believe in him receive his spirit do you believe that his spirit is at work in the gospel every time we speak it do you believe that the spirit of god is at work in this church do you believe that jesus is still adding to his church do you believe do we believe and just to summarize this lesson in a sentence, act in simple faith and watch God work. Don't miss the, the spirit and his work, God in his work, and focus only on what you do. You have to act in simple faith. But pay attention and live with confidence and expectancy. I have found, Adrian and I talk about this all the time, and this is a bit anecdotal. I could show you over and over again where this kind of thing happened in the Bible. But what seems to happen is people say, yeah, but that was in Bible's times. But I have found that God, whenever I'm paying attention and noticing, I can see God at work all over the place. I see answers to prayers I never would have thought answered. I see people hearing the gospel that, how did that end up there? I see influences and changes that I thought, well, that person is stuck where they are forever but when you pay attention and watch and learn to believe, truly believe, you start to see God at work. So we're, we're big on snow cream in our family. I don't know if it's the most sanitary, healthy thing, but we catch snow and we make ice cream out of it. And you can see these two containers out here for snow, right? Which one is going to make a more abundant bowl of snow cream? That giant one, that's what, that's what we use. But I put this other one out here as an illustration because sometimes in our prayers, in our work, in our partnership with God, in the things that we do, we can start to just kind of hold a thimble out for God to catch God's blessings. And if that's all we hold out, maybe that's all we get.
1: But God wants to do more.
0: We had this... This um, theme, 2015, called Equipped and Overflowing. And as I was preparing this lesson, I started thinking about that theme. You know, the idea that, that the elders put forward is that we need to be equipped. God wants us equipped. Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 16. He wants us prepared to do the work we need to do. And he wants us so full that we're overflowing. What am I talking about with that? Well, I'm talking about having streams of living water flowing from your heart. In evangelism, we need to believe that God is at work, that there is power in God's hand. You know, not long after Jesus said that, God said, Jesus said in John 16 and verse 8, that when he said the Holy Spirit hadn't yet come, but when he comes, he will convict the world. Didn't say Ryan will convict the world, but the Holy Spirit will convict the word, the world. You can find other places where it's said differently, you know, that when, whenever the word is heard, people are convicted. People, in fact, even before they have the word in their ears, can start to be convicted. Romans 2.15 says where the, the, they know God has put it in them. He's tugging at their hearts even before they hear the the word because the truth of what is morally right is so clear. He's knocking at the door with all of creation, Paul says in the chapter before that. He's knocking at the door with his mercy that shows up over and over again. In that springtime blessing that Michael was just talking about and in every other blessing, God is knocking on hearts. God is at work in hearts. And he can do a work. Now, he won't overcome the resistant heart. We still have to choose. But he will do everything but. And so in evangelism, we act in simple faith and watch God work. I heard, I heard a, a story just this week about somebody who took one of these type cards. These are out there, too. There's two different kinds, one with... Um, the Steps of Salvation, one with an invite to, to the services. And this guy helped someone on the side of the road, had a broken down tire, and he helped him. And as he was finishing up, he gave him a, an invite card like that uh, that had, had a church's address. And then he went on. He didn't even live in that town. Later, he came back, and he talked to somebody who worked with that church. And he said, let me tell you about what happened that day. The man that you helped
1: was a hitman
0: and part of the gang um, and gang life. And he was going to execute someone. And he instead came here. And he changed his whole life. That's, a, that's, that's an invite card. <laughs> was that? Wow, that is the best invite card ever. We got to get that invite card. We need a program of invite cards like that invite card. See, this is how we think, right? I think that way. No, that was God. That was the spirit knocking on a door. That was the power of the word of God. That was God bringing together sinner and the thirsty. And that was a thirsty person realizing for the first time, that epiphany, what they were thirsty for. Darkness to light. Trusting God to do his work frees up us and inspires us to work with him. This is not our project. This is God's project. And it is exciting to be God's partner. I, sometimes I feel like as a 40-something-year-old 40 man, 46. As a 46-year-old man, I shouldn't say this word anymore. But being God's partner is fun. It's fun. There is an adventure. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's not full of heartache at times. But there is there is a different kind of life to the life of faith that steps out into those rich territories of risk and sacrifice and discipleship and says, I'm going to do what is completely uncomfortable for me. I'm going to risk something. I'm going to sacrifice something. I'm going to just keep trusting God and I'm going to keep speaking and see what happens and watch. What are you going to do with that, God? So that uptightness, I'm not saying it again, it becomes easy, but that uptightness starts to go away because a few after the Holy Spirit does come, you know, the, the Holy Spirit will convict the world, he said. And then the Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost and Peter preaches this sermon. And then Peter added to the church thousands of souls, right? No. The Lord added to, to their number daily those who are being saved. Jesus. That's the Lord there. Jesus is, at, Jesus is still at work, even though he's in heaven. Jesus is working in his church. That's the book of Acts. It's not the Acts of the Apostles only. It's the Acts of Jesus. That's what the intro, if you read the first few verses of the book, continued to do. And he's continuing to do those works today. After that, in chapter 8, I think of how Uh, Ethiopian eunuch is on his way back home, might be missing his one chance in Jerusalem to hear the gospel, but oh wait, God interrupts the plans of Simon, I mean of uh, Philip and brings him over and brings together the one who is thirsty and the one who can say come. God is still at work. We talked about, we had a prayer service last Sunday night, I think. God opening doors. God is the source behind it. And this may sound like a different idea, a different sermon, but this is the same idea, really. It's completely connected, still to evangelism. In your walk with Christ, in your personal relationship with God, you have to believe that he is at work. And I know most of you are like, yeah, that's obvious, and this is maybe owning that completely for the last 50 years. But maybe some of you aren't. There have been times in my life where I thought I needed to be sufficient instead of, as the Lord says in 2 Corinthians 12, my power is made perfect in weakness. Your grace, my grace, is sufficient for you. Because when you start to lean in more and more to acting in simple faith, obedience, obedience, And trust, walking with God. See him work, changing you in ways you didn't think were possible. You become a different kind of person. You start doing different things. Your prayer life changes. Your relationships change. Your habits change. And there's a different kind of joy and hope. You know, in 1 Peter 3.15, there's a command that we sometimes focus on to be ready to give an answer for your faith. But let's not miss the rest of that verse. Be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. When people ask about it, how do you see hope in someone to ask about it? Well, if you've been around Christians for a while, you know exactly how you see hope. And it is a different picture of a person than those harassed and helpless. We talked about last Sunday night. There's a phrase, I don't hear this very much anymore, but I gotta pick on it. Sometimes we, we hear praise, p- prayers, people say, um, and give us a reasonable portion of help, health.
1: I just, I don't
0: understand this prayer, I don't. A reasonable portion of health. I mean, I, I get it, I can, I can explain it. I think maybe we don't wanna be greedy, you know? Don't ask for too much. Uh, maybe we we think that um, we need to be careful to not to expect God to do something really big and amazing. But my fear is not about the health, because there's no guarantee we're going to have perfect health in this life, but us taking... This reasonable portion mindset to other parts of our lives. By the way, I have to bring up Adrian. I mentioned this to Adrian last night. She said she tells people, I'm not gonna pray for a reasonable portion. I'm gonna pray for wolverine health for you. If you know who the X-Men are, she wants healing factor on you, or you're just like powerfully healed. But God is still at work mightily. I know, I know we're in a different time than the times where we don't have people with this gift of the Holy Spirit that that are going in, in the same way that can lay their hand on a dead person and that person rises. But God is still doing mighty things today. You don't have to be a Pentecostal to believe that. You have to be someone who believes the promises of Scripture. There's these words that the Bible uses. Fullness. Abundance overflowing let me just read you a couple passages i i pulled out five five verses I, I could add many many more romans fifteen thirteen. may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the holy spirit you may abound in hope and may you have living waters flowing from your heart see how those go together The idea of of being a spring, having a spring within you, is it never runs out. There is a source in you because God is in you, because the spirit is in you, because his life is in you, because Jesus indwells you. There is a power that brings hope and joy and peace through the power of the spirit. John 10 verse 10. You know why the thief came to destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly abundantly. Romans 5, verse 5, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. There's that water imagery again through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, give and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Psalm 23, verse 5, everybody knows this one. The end of the 23rd Psalm, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup, what? Runneth over. That's even better. I like that King James language sometimes. My cup overflows. My cup runneth over. Is that, is that the life that we, we live? Not because, you know, God is paying for all our bills in a way that we have like way more money than we could ever need or something like that or you know we still at 80 can run a marathon because we're so healthy that's not what we're talking about talking about an inner life the spirit within us bubbling forth an abundance of fullness and overflowing we're talking about God's unreasonable portion of blessing unreasonable Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 10, talks about the abounding riches of his mercy. Overwhelming. You have to pay attention to it, or you kind of take it for granted, maybe even limit it and just hold out a thimble. Those who share the gospel best are those who know it's worth sharing. Those who are remembering that all the time, who are realizing it like an epiphany over and over again, wow, what a gift. What grace. Be forgiven of all of that that was in my past. And to know I stand as if I was just perfect because of what Jesus did for me. To know if I die today, no, I'm concerned about my family, but God will take care of them, and I'll be happier than ever. Knowing I have purpose, I have hope. Things, even when they're at their darkest, I know the end will be good.
1: I have true peace.
0: And the weird thing about this thirst is I am both satisfied And thirsty for more, because it's so good. Come and taste the goodness of God. The last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink.
1: So, let's let's hold out
0: a confidence for God for the work he can do and will do and is doing in us and among us and all over the world. Let's be aware of God's unreasonable portion of blessing. So I have a, a small challenge for you before we close. And that is, so this week, this week's lesson was about the spirit. Next week's lesson is about the thirsty, and it's essentially just a 30-minute invitation. But I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about why we thirst, and I'm going to talk about what the offer of the Lord is. And I want to challenge you to this week say to one person, come. Come. Now, this lesson will be designed for someone for you to invite somebody to. But if, you, if maybe the person you're talking to, a better way to say come is to give them a, a fl- something, a flyer. Or maybe a better way to come, say come is to just, you know what, baby steps. Remember the Grey's Matrix. I'm going to invite them to that potluck on, you know, on the 11th. I know. That's not saying come to Jesus. A potluck never saved anybody. But that can start to cultivate something. Or maybe saying come is just asking a spiritual question, starting the conversation and saying, hey, do you have any spiritual beliefs? We've never talked about this before. And then going from there and listening, finding out their spiritual address and talking. Or maybe it's asking for a Bible study and saying, let's sit down. Would you be interested in sitting down with me and studying God's way for us all to be living forever? One person. Some of you are thinking, one person at one week. I'm going to have eight people by the time the day's done. And you know what I say to that? Way to go! But some of us might be a little more trepidatious. Maybe this is something new. You just got to act in faith and then step back and watch God go and we'll see what happens. Jesus says, if you're thirsty, come. If you are someone who desires something more, desires freedom from your guilt, desires to live forever, desires a relationship with the one that made you. And you're ready to confess that you believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. You're ready to be baptized and repent of your sins and walk away from these waters of baptism completely forgiven. We invite you to come while we stand and sing.